All right, uh, Tim and Steve, would you guys join me up here? We're going to do some Q&A before we're, we're dismissed. Really appreciate you uh, having, me, having me up and look forward to worshiping with you tomorrow. Be a good time. I think, uh, Tim, do you have a mic? All right, outstanding. Hey, so um, <laughs> this, is, this is fun because then I get to be the question asker since I've been talking all day. Uh, and being uh, kind of an outsider to, to church culture here, uh, not knowing uh, how life functions, what, be interested in you guys, like what were your specific prayers for today? And what are you hoping this uh, work of Bible reading uh, does to, to spur this specific people on? Uh, well, we had, uh, it, was, it was twofold probably, depending on where um, your maturity level is, um, us included. I guess um, for our uh, more mature Christians, it was important for us to have you guys not shy away from this thinking, oh, I already know how to, re- how to read my Bible or I know how to study, but to see this as an opportunity to learn something that while the information is not revolutionary, um, Come on it now. Is, I, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. <clears throat> it's, um, but, you know, it's, just, it's simple. I mean, it really is. The, the beauty of it, I think, is that it's not revolutionary. The beauty of it is that in its simplicity, it's um, it's easy to catch on to, it's easy to memorize, and so it's very simple, um, and especially for older Christians or more mature Christians, to take this and say, as I work with new believers, sometimes when we've been, when we, especially when we feel like we know how to read the Bible or we, or we have our own habits and the yep. way that we read and the way that we study, it's hard for us to go back yep. with a new person and say, like, how do I take what I'm doing, mm-hmm. which may not be really good for what, they're, what they need to do, and kind of how do I, um, not dumb it down, but how, how do I get back to where they're going to understand, like, what, what's a good starting point for them? So that's what we, that was one prayer for our um, more mature believers. We wanted people to come and see this as an opportunity to learn something that you can use in discipling younger believers. Mm-hmm. And then obviously for, um, for younger believers or younger Christians in the room, we wanted um, you guys to just learn something that we felt like would give you confidence and not make it feel like the Bible is so intimidating that you can read it, you can understand it, and um, be able to figure out how to apply it. Yeah, that's great. I, I have a friend that speaks of, and same question to you, Tim, in just a minute, but a uh, friend who speaks of the, the challenge of making unconscious competencies conscious in, in the sense of particularly when I'm you know, parenting my, my kids or trying to help another person develop a skill set things that I've done for a really long time that now I kind of do on autopilot, it's hard for me to think about how do I make those competencies conscious so that somebody else can grapple with that. So some of you saints who've been engaging with the Bible 40 plus years, uh, it's difficult to think, all right, somebody coming at the Bible with fresh eyes, how do I help them engage with the scriptures? I think this tool serves to that end. Um, I would say that kind of all, all what Steve said, but I think also um, that um, 
for some of us who are older Christians, I think I've heard a lot from some of them anyway that it's kind of like, well, I've already done this. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I've, you know, I don't. What do I, what do I, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Kind of. And the thing that I, my heart has been for a long time, but I haven't known how to articulate it very well, probably done a very good job of it, is if you're old, you're old for a reason. Mm. You're old mm. for a reason so that you can bring up those who are younger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what I think that, it, that the tools do is they give some of us an idea that we didn't know really where to start, mm-hmm. how to be able to take someone who's younger. This is a great tool to say it's as simple as, as a few marks on a piece of paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if yeah. some arrows on a piece of paper. And this is the very tool you can use to be Begin to take what you've learned and your own walk through Scripture and begin to walk someone else through it yourself. Yeah, that's great. And that's a big deal to you know. I think for us as a church, um, it, it keeps those of us who are older and more mature and are leaning toward crusty. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of begins to scrape off the crustiness because we're hanging out with people who are asking questions of us as mm-hmm. we begin to try and disciple them. Um, it, it, it keeps us fresh. You know. So. Yeah, so, so we often, I often hear people reflect on spiritual formation as if it is get to maturity and then engage in mission. And I'm trying to help them crash those worlds together and argue that living on mission is the fuel of your conformity to Christ. And if you cut that off and say, well, I've got to hit a certain mark of biblical competency or prayer before I'm ready to disciple another person or share the gospel or any of those things, you, frankly, you never get there. I mean, it is a bit like parenting to this regard. Like, when are you ready to be a parent? Uh, well, there's a sense in which God has designed the parenting process to be a fuel of our sanctification. So we don't hit a mark of maturity and then say, now I'm ready. You say, all right, we've done the things that we know to do, and we're going to trust that as God gives this child, there's going to be the sanctification process uh, going with that. So I think if, if you don't, the church really caves in on itself and you don't have this external mission uh, driving that. So let me invite you, flag me down if you have a question for these brothers or for me. Yes, sir. So um, there, when we talk about equip, send, and serve, you know, we want to try and be diligent or intentional about how we do those things. And we become, we learn how to serve better when we under, understand the example of Christ in Scripture, and we understand the opportunities to serve um, in our con- in our local context, and then in the context of being sent. Um, we were, I was just talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's like it's in Scripture. And as we're in Scripture and we see it there, we understand that it applies to my life, not to someone else's life. And so to me, it's like all the secrets, and there's none, there's not really any secrets, but all the stuff we keep asking about, what do I do? What's God's will? How am I supposed to live? How do I forgive? All these things, everything people are asking questions about, it's there. And if you know how to, and if you know how to find it for yourself, then that's the point of being a disciple, is to be like the master, and we find the master in the book. And, and these tools help us to understand him and know him and love him and cherish him and be like him. You know, And that is the essence of equipping. We talked about last week. The essence of equipping is becoming in the full measure of him. Hmm. You know? And we, don't ever, and we can't have that by listening to John Piper. We just become people who use big words like John Piper when mm-hmm. we do that. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we can't have that when we listen to someone else. We can only have that when it's me and him and mm. the word. Mm. And, we, and, and he begins to shape and form our personalities and who we are mm. and, and, and make us effective in the individual family we're in and the individual small group we're in and the individual workplace we're in. And all that happens because we are able to go to the word of God for ourselves and find his assignment for me and his purpose for me and his nature in me as I interact with him together there, you know. So, so I'll ask you the question I wish somebody would ask me if they were in, in my church. So uh, how can your congregation uh, hone their skills of Bible reading by being good sermon listeners? How do they develop skills that don't depend on you too much but also don't underestimate the role of the preaching of this church. What? <laughs> I'll, I'll phrase it again. Yeah, All thank right. you. So you want your congregation to care about the preaching of this church, but you don't want them to mediate their relationship with God through you. Right. So how do they listen well each week to the sermon without depending on you too much? I would say, and I think that, the, the, um, I start to say I see this especially in Genesis, but I could see it also in topical sermons like we just done the past three weeks. But it's like, um, what we do in the pulpit on Sunday morning is never the final word. It is only pointing the direction. Hmm. Hmm. And it's for you to find your lane in that direction. It's for you, to, when we talk about when we talk about being sent, I can't tell anyone what it looks like for them in their individual unique position and place in life. Mm. But in the course of the, of the scripture, he illuminates us. He reveals things to us. And so all I'm doing, all we're trying to do on a Sunday morning anytime is, is like point everyone in a direction. Mm. And then we all have to be diligent to say, what's my lane mm. in that direction? Mm. You know? Um, I, th- I think that's what it is, mm. kind of. Yeah, that's great. Other questions? To those where this is very specific, but as a parent of young children, ah. um, how do we find ways, how have you maybe found ways, or those in the group who have been here, how do you find ways to speak intentionally about the Bible with your children in a way that is understanding of where they're coming from, but also serious? I think it's, when Tim was talking about and Steve were talking about finding ways to um, double back on where we have been spiritually for a newer believer. It's different when it's an adult, maybe with a different level of comprehension Mm -hmm. and understanding than when you're taking it to the level of a child. And unfortunately, I don't remember how I processed the Bible as a child. Mm. Uh, So maybe how would you find ways to make this kind of study applicable to those whose primary you know, group that we're witnessing to are our children. Yeah, that's great. You guys want to take a stab? Um, yeah, I'll take a stab. All right, go for it. <laughs> that's what we'll call it. Um, I would say um, probably first and foremost is modeling it um, for them. So having them uh, or um, like in, in your Bible reading time with them, just going through something simple like this, just read through a passage and so I'd say, particularly with younger kids, I'd keep it to shorter passages or keep it to passages where they're going to, um, not the sticky page, 
passages. Probably don't go through numbers with your kids. But, um, but certainly the epistles and maybe Proverbs, places where um, some of the questions are going to be easier for them to answer. But just reading through a short passage with them and asking these questions. I mean, we've done this before with our kids. We read it and then we just say, okay, well, what does it say? You know, how do you summarize it? What does it, what does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about ourselves? Um, what should we do now? What do we do with it? So uh, that's probably the best that I got would be just doing it with them and so that they pick up the habit for themselves. Obviously, as they get older, then, um, you know, the passages can get longer or harder or whatever. But, um, but I think probably just practicing it with them and, and modeling it for them um, and keeping it on their level, but just practicing it with them is maybe the best that I got. I don't know. The wins that, that Sarah and I have had, uh, one with this, with this model, has been uh, actually acting out the biblical text with our children. We haven't done so, that. So getting them... We haven't done any acting. <laughs> uh, particularly when we're doing Arrow 2, like getting them to play different characters in the whatever story we read. You know, we'll go hide a treasure somewhere in the house and you know, somebody else is trying to discover it or somebody's carrying, you know, the other kid on the mat to, so letting them, you know, again, just as a child learning techniques, letting them experience the passage has been a win for us. Um, we, we, so 12, 10, 8, 3, and, and not born yet. Um, so we're kind of aging into being able to have more defined time, but learning the art of talking about scripture as you're going rather than assuming we're going to have 15 minutes to do it right now. Because those 15 minutes never coincide when my kids are wanting to be attentive to their... So just learning art of being conversant in the scriptures so that I can talk about the Bible when we're riding down the road and they're kind of trapped in a car seat and there's, you know, some interaction there. The third thing is we we did do more of a formal catechism earlier uh, in their lives where there were some, again, kind of CC principles with memory response, it was a really good tool for us to say, you know, to have some specific questions that we were asking and then them have a response back that was attached to a passage of scripture so that we could instill some core theological values. I still remember you going to a dentist early with my kids and a dentist saying, you know, brush the kids teeth. I'm like, kid doesn't have teeth. Like what, why am I brushing? There ain't anything. It's like, you want to get in there before they have the teeth to do it, to begin to train them and you that this is what you do. And I think there's a sense that maybe we talk ourselves out of with kids, not going far enough because, well, they're not ready for it yet. But I mean, I think there's principles of homeschool curriculum in my mind of do it before they're ready and let them grow into it. Even if they don't know all of what's going on there, because I, I, I think more takes than we give them credit for. The songs that we sing, the sermons that they hear, the way that we do devotions, even if it's chaotic in my house, I think more sticking than I think. So rather than not doing it for that assumption. Yeah, I was just going to say that same thing. I was going to say, um, I think that kid, that we don't have to dumb it down as much as we think that we do. I, think, I really do think that kids can... Um, we've done a couple of different catechisms at different times. We're not doing one right now. New City Catechism yep. is really good, I think. It and is. they have... A, they have um, Basically, it's a question and answer thing. It's super, I think it's, uh, I think it's 52 questions, one for every week of the year. But anyway, there's like a long answer and there's a short answer for little kids. So you ask the question 
And then there's, um, if you have older kids you're doing it with, there's a long answer that they can give you the, the answer. And it's just memory work. It's just reciting question and answer. And it kind of goes through all this, these core truths of the Bible. And there's um, songs. I mean, everything. You can put it on in the car. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, But there's a, each answer has like a short, you know, a really short answer for like the youngest kids to even be able to get. But I do think that kids um, can pick up more um, than we give them credit for a lot of times. And so, um, so I don't always think it has to be dumbed down as much as we we feel like it needs to be. I would encourage also Bible memory with young young children. Get them started early. Yeah. You can make games out of it. Yeah. You can do it when you're driving down the car, and yep. mm-hmm. you know, and just comes back, and they it stays with them for life. Absolutely. One other thing I mentioned quickly, and then we'll take. Uh, quite, but um, having older kids. Uh, speaking into this in terms of like leading, hey, we want my oldest daughter, her name's Corey. So letting Corey lead uh, the family conversation one morning, kind of empowering her to do that. For some reason, diversifying that around the family has been a good practice for us. Yes, ma'am. If I can just add really quick. Um, One thing that was life-changing for our family was, um, it really was from the Lord when I realized why thinking of high school and students, how it's always such a, you need to be in the word every day. And with adults, even you need to be in the word every day. And I really thought to myself, well, when do you start that habit? And my boys were two and three at the time. And I was like, I'm going to start it now. I mean, Hey, so I just started them in the rooms. It was right when they first woke up. So it was kind of like a treat because they didn't really have to get up. I mean, they would wake up, but they had a little bit of time. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, I put in, there's so much resources, so many resources available of just little tapes that are, you know, even if it was salty or kids music or little devotionals, things where, but they knew this is my time alone with God. And as they grew up, they, you know, they got the children's Bible. And I mean, Jeremy cover to cover, he would read that children's Bible just over and over. And he still does it with his regular Bible these days where he just reads it over and over again. So, um, it just was life changing for us. So, yeah, it's a little. That's great. Oh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I I just think that the one kind of uh, you know maybe it's uh, maybe it's assumed in all this for us is that our lives have to be totally hidden in Christ. If we are not consumed with Him and His goodness to us, and if we are not just living his word. And, and if it's not something that's present in mind, that this is why I'm doing this thing, or this is why I'm not, I'm not doing that thing. Yeah. Then in the day to day, like you said, when you're driving down the road in the car, then, you know, you're, you're going to share not just, Hey, did you see this? You're going to say, Hey, did you see this? This is like, and you're going to be sharing things from the word. And they watch every single step you take. They want to be like mom. They want to be like dad. Even when they don't want to be like mom and dad, there's still a piece underneath that wants to be like mom and dad. Yeah. And, uh, and I just think that if we are consumed with him, then that's where they're going to be able to see who he is and where they're going to be able to see the relevance of the word. And that, because we can have all the tools, and these are great things. I, it's not to slight any no, of that. But we can have all the tools but if they don't have the motivation to dig into it, those great tools won't get put to use. Mm-hmm. 
one author that I really enjoy and appreciate, Jeff Vanderstelt, wrote a book called Gospel Fluency. And uh, the leading image there is learning any foreign language. You know, best way to, to learn the language is drop yourself in the culture and force yourself to become fluent, not merely through a downloadable app, but really experiencing the contours of the language. And I think similarly, there's a sense at which we're really not that fluent speaking of Jesus and his work. And that's why I commend to you the practices of the word buzzing throughout the life of this church. How do you develop the practices that say, I want to speak about Jesus often and openly and naturally. It's naturally going to correspond to the way you talk about him in your home and everywhere else. So maybe one other question before uh, we're done for the day. Anyone? So Matt. When people are trying to use the seven arrows, um, where do they get stuck most often? Um, I think the, I mean, arrow two, depending on where you are in the Bible, can be cumbersome. Um, but, but I see the, the challenge around individualistic reading of Scripture versus corporate reading of Scripture as the sticky place. Uh, that people have been trained to think my relationship with God, my Bible reading, and we haven't been trained to, A, communicate what I'm reading with other people in a way that's very natural and conversant, and B, force myself to apply the Bible in strategic concentric circles that ultimately bubble out to a life of mission. So I don't think people go beyond themselves very often in the reading of the Bible, and then particularly beyond themselves to people who are far from, far from God but close to them. That's become kind of a sticky language for me. And uh, most often, I think people think, if I'm going to think about others, it's going to be other believers, and not how does this passage force me to live on mission? And we see that throughout the Scriptures but I'm convinced, like if we, to your point, if we push ourselves to life on mission, it's even going to hone my desire to know the Bible. I mean, what better thing to spur your Bible reading than a new believer asking you questions about God, right? Uh, and, and so living on mission is going to enhance the skill set. So again, what I, what I don't want you to leave with today is thinking I've got to become an expert Bible reader before I go try to make a disciple. Go try to make a disciple of Jesus, and in the doing, my guess is, what happens for me, your proficiency with the scriptures, your prayer life, wow, you want a fuel for your prayer life? Spend time around non-believers regularly, right? It's going to fuel that. So, so go live on mission and allow that mission to fuel your sanctification. One of the things that Rod, uh, that, um, I'm sorry, one of the things that Matt just said that I would encourage if you're a Bible study leader in our church or you're a small group leader, um, and if you've been at Crossing a long time, think back about this. And that's that I think there's a lot of health in us as small groups taking time out from like maybe doing a Bible study where like where Bud would lead our Bible study and just say for the next nine weeks, each of us are going to take a week and we're going to come in and talk about what we're learning. And that goes to what he was just saying. It's like being able to discuss what we're learning in the scripture, how it's applying to our life, or even being really honest too, which I think is lacking in the church, is like, it's not applying. I'm really struggling with this. I'm not good at this. Matter of fact, I don't even like this and I've refused to do it. That'd be really healthy to hear in a small group. 
Because I think there's more people in small groups who are experiencing that very same thing and they're afraid to say it, you know. And so um, I just, I love that comment about the corporate reading and the corporate discussion of what's, what you're reading and how you're interacting with God's word on a regular basis. Anyway, so, all right, anything else? I mean, if you want to talk to Matt, he'll be here for a few minutes and, or for, until we, he's only got us to take him somewhere, so he's not going anywhere until we leave. God bless. We'll see you guys in the morning, all right?